0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Whether we've been creating elementary stone tools, traveling into space or developing our own artificial intelligence. Since the beginning of time, humans have been fascinated by how our world works. Design Thinking has exploded into the 21st century workplace. It is a methodology designed to put humans at the centre of our work. This series explores where it came from and where it's going. From methodology to a philosophy for life, Design Thinking is
1: changing the world. That's Sam Fry, and I'm Richard Adams. Last time, we focused on what companies are doing with Design Thinking. ...and how it's making them question what is valuable to their organisation. Today we're focusing on design education. We spoke to several students studying different design courses at the Royal College of Art. We asked them what they are actually taught on their design courses. Act 1. What do they teach in design
0: school? First, here is Diana Kangiza. Diana studied fashion as an undergraduate and is now studying innovation design engineering...
2: It's a double master's course formed in two institutions, so Royal College of Art and Imperial College London. And uh, it's a two-year master's course. It's very interesting because we are being taught how to look at innovation from a disruptive point of view, but also from a human-centered point of view. We learn a lot. We learn a lot of design thinking processes, design methods, and then how to actually apply them. It's a lot of team working, uh, which is great because you get to know a lot of people from completely different and diverse backgrounds. For example, I finished fashion design and development, but right now my group of people finished, let's say, mechanical engineering. Somebody finished mechatronics. So it's great because you learn a lot from other people and then you also create
3: your own own innovative practices in, in design.
0: Lisa Ayama is on the same course.
3: As the course name kind of suggests, it's a bit of design and a bit bit of engineering, and the idea is to kind of merge those two to create innovation. So before that, I was at an art school in Tokyo, so I'm Japanese, and I come from the fine arts school in Tokyo called Tokyo University of the Arts. Technically, I also studied design there as well, but coming to IDE, which is my current course, um, I kind of... Felt like I was actually more on a grey spectrum between art and design, but yeah, I'm I'm on, I'm currently um, on my second year of this double year masters, and yeah, very very nearly graduating.
0: Lisa also believes that one of the biggest benefits of the course is how it celebrates students coming from different disciplines.
3: Most of the projects that we do at ID are group projects, so you really get to learn through these. I guess multidisciplinary collaboration so I would say the learning is mostly to do with those kind of like soft skills I suppose of like learning how you can produce something with people with very really different ideas or really different ways of thinking to think about what you can contribute in that context what your practice is is essentially I definitely got a better perspective of what Idea and my practice and my skills and all of that because I came to IDE and because I could see it in relation to all these other practitioners. And then I guess in terms of the actual course content, um, again, as the name suggests, it is to do with I guess either design or engineering or design engineering. So, you know, in a module we we had to make um, a, I guess a robot. <laughs> In in a sense, we basically had to use an Arduino to uh, make this interactive object. And me and my partner made uh, a sneezing vacuum cleaner. And in another module, uh, we basically had to make a, a chair. Actually, mine wasn't really a chair. Mine was more of an ornament um, on that sits on top of a bench that basically turns it into a throne. There's There's always this spectrum in any module. And that's really the interesting part that.
1: Joseph Pakal is on the global innovation design course at the Royal College of Art.
4: It is so self-driven, self-directed. But I would basically say that like the GID is its goal sort of is to create new class of designers that are sort of ready to deal with a huge amount of uncertainty. And it's this sort of classic Victor Papanic thing where like at the at the end of uh, design for the real world, he's talking about integrated design, and it's the sort of idea of, of creating a design practice that's forward-looking, anticipatory, comprehensive, that's highly collaborative, highly empathic, highly systemic, and bringing that into turning that into sort of a more sort of socially oriented design rather than you know beauty or form or advertising or how do you package technology to do something. Um, so global innovation global design is trying to create, perhaps you could say, design leaders that will be ready and will have the tools and will also have the courage, I think, to um, kind of deal with these really big uncertain pro- problems that the world is starting to face and will be facing probably in the future.
1: Stiliana Minkowska's background is in studying as an architect. She's now studying a Masters in Healthcare and Design at the Royal College of Art and Imperial College London. Stiliana also likes that the RCA encourages self-direction and cross-functional working.
5: I'm from Bulgaria. People study all sorts of engineering, maths and physics and chemistry as part of their architecture education. Here is very much, it could be a painting, it could be a film, it could be a novel, and it's considered, and it's considered an, an impactful architecture project, which is the beauty of, of, of the education system and the curriculum within the UK. And this is why I came here to study, because I think it, it gives you wings. It really opens up avenues and exposes you to, to be the, the maddest and wildest creative you could be.
0: This generation of designers are being encouraged to work collaboratively with others from different disciplines. They value modules that encourage self-direction, but like it when there are methods that they can adopt when needed. But are they taught design thinking? Is design thinking a concept that design students at university are familiar with? Act two, are you taught design thinking?
3: The, the tutors have never said this is design thinking and we're going to teach you design thinking. They do essentially teach a variation of design thinking in the form of, we sort of have this, our own framework of a design process and especially this thing called EXP process, which is basically a, like an experimental design process where we do, uh, it's like an iterative process of experiments and Um, having a hypotheses and research questions and yeah it's so they have they do have a I think what you would say is a design thinking framework but I think they just try to avoid using that word for whatever reason yeah I guess to be honest I think in general people don't try not to use the word design thinking in the sense that the tutors won't teach students design thinking in order for them to become des- design students I think they sort of expect us to pick it up without them having to be like okay this is this,
1: mm-hmm. this that's that's how you do it Styliana Minkowska explains
5: I think it is but probably it comes naturally and is not really something that I notice as being sort of imposed as design thinking. I think it's, it, it, it's it's very natural, especially within healthcare, I think.
1: yeah there are courses where design thinking is introduced, sometimes using a practical task. Here's Joseph Picard again.
4: So design thinking uh, to us has been introduced as part of a module, which is called Grand Challenge. And it's a sort of college-wide module, uh, again, problem-based learning, team-based uh, 800 students coming together into this one insane super course. <laughs> essentially, the w- the way it's it's brought into the conversation essentially is uh, okay. Now you're dealing this this complex brief that is highly undefined, but it's it's designed for safety. And within that, you've got a subcategory. In this in last year's grand challenge, uh, we had. Um, next-generation interactions was our sub-theme. So design for safety using next-generation interactions. Design thinking, then, is something that kind of gets introduced facilitatively throughout the process, saying, okay, here is this type of, type of methodology. It's been invented. Uh, this is a little bit of this history contextually, 2008. Um, it's been really sort of solidified, picked up, formalized. Here's a double diamond. This is how you use it try and apply it to your project, it's going to be very helpful. In terms of grand challenge, the whole course or the whole module was essentially structured after the double diamond. So sort of starting with sort of the Divergent problem definition, definition, problem selection, uh, and then sort of solution uh, explorations and solution selection. So the entire module was essentially structured into these four evaluative phases. Um, where you would always get to a stage gate and and you would get scored on, okay, how well have you approached your divergent problem definition phase? So it's actually very cleverly introduced because you, you really sort of live through it. And instead of sort of reading about it in a book and then sort of thinking about how do I apply it to a design project? It's sort of like you really are graded on how well you're actually applying this
0: the double diamond is a design process created by the British Design Council in 2004. But simply, the idea is that you have a process that looks like two diamonds next to each other. The left diamond represents divergent thinking. It's the process of discovering and defining the problem. Then the right diamond is about convergent thinking, developing and delivering something. Visually, it looks very similar to a loop, like IBM's loop, which we mentioned in the last podcast. A process of continuously observing, reflecting, and making. In design education, while design thinking isn't necessarily taught, the double diamond is taught as an approach for designing iteratively, collaboratively, inclusively, and with user-centricity. When we asked Diana Kangiza about being taught design thinking, she also mentioned the double diamond.
2: I don't necessarily categorize them. I find them as a whole, as a whole process, right? But I can tell you like a good design method that it is integrated in the design thinking process that I adopted recently. And um, it was also what my professor taught me recently is the the double diamond process, which is, uh, you know, researching, iterating, uh, brainstorm, testing, a lot of prototyping, and then define it. So that's, that's quite of a logical, let's say, step-by-step process. But again, I, I would not put them in different boxes. I think it's a whole process. And honestly, I think it depends also in the situation you are into. Like, for example, I don't know, maybe from a consultancy point of view, who are you talking with? You know, we recently had a project, more like a module project, and we had to work with real industry businesses, right? It was a team of students and then we had uh, uh, each of the team had allocated a uh, company, right? We chose human centered design. Also the module was focused on human centered design because the situation we were into with that company was centered along the customers, the users. And you had to empathise, to talk with the users. So I feel like it it really depends on on the design problem you're trying
6: to solve as well.
1: Design thinking is not necessarily a term that is used heavily in design schools, but the concepts of collaboration, iteration and empathy are. Dr. Yankee Lee co-founded the Enable Foundation. Yankee reflected on some of the language that companies like IDEO use to describe design research, This term resonated with her more than the term design thinking.
7: I'm trying to think about a way to describe design thinking and design research. I think that is something maybe a a future way to go because I think the research giving more solid feeling and also more rigorous, more evidence-based. But at the same time, if Ideal was talking about we need to have evidence, so human experience, behaviour, we need to investigate, but at the same time, I think that was a missing part is dream up new way to spark and distill insights, which is something what were you asking what designer do? We bring outside the box something never been thought about, innovation, and then inspire team and client to address people need through bold and optimistic design. I think that is also very important. It's something never been seen, uh, people feel surprised, something they really enjoy, something they never imagined that will happen. And I think that's being really important for Enable Foundation, how we do it in this way. So I feel this is so overlapping what design thinking is about rather than talk about design thinking.
1: So why the resistance to the term design thinking in design schools?
6: Design thinking is a set of sort of consolidated philosophies that have existed in design and art for many years. And that there's something, there is something um, maybe a scariness or there's a frustration with the process of design being simplified and being something that, I mean, essentially is being democratized, that this is something that anybody can do. And I mean, we can, I guess my personal belief on that is that I find it incredibly exciting. I think that, like, that design thinking, that part, that its power and its ability to make very learnable, flexible, adaptable, these core concepts that as artists and designers, we are, we are imbued with or that we are able, like, that we are taught to be able to turn that into a form that a lot of people can adopt and a lot of people can use is really exciting. And so I think there there are pitfalls of it, right? Like what happens is that it becomes so formulaic or becomes so like a uh, checkboxy that it gets misused for sure. That happens and it's annoying when it happens. But in my view that's kind of it's kind of like an 80/20 thing. It's like if we can get 80% of people to start using new kinds of ideas and start adopting new methods that help us At the large scale think about how we make things better i'm all for it and there's going to be 20 percent of people that don't really absorb the idea that they don't really absorb the mindset that's going to happen but you know what that's fine and i think one thing that i've noticed in my culture change work or that it's a, a common thing that people notice in culture change work is that once you get a certain amount of the population like You know, like if you get 60 out of 100 people to start thinking in a new way or start practicing in a new way, the other 40 come along, right? Like there's sort of like a logarithmic curve to it. So once you start getting a group of people to really start adopting, like, what does it mean to think in a divergent way or think collaboratively or think iteratively, then the whole population starts to adopt those ideas just because they see them work in their everyday life.
0: So perhaps there is some resistance and some frustrations with design thinking, but it seems like design thinking is here to stay. And we are just waiting for that tipping point where all organizations embrace it, whether they are businesses, governments, or even educational institutions. So what is holding it back? Amanda Foreman is a business designer at The Zone.
3: I think it's probably like any
6: methodology where it ends up being applied in different ways in different contexts. And so it's sort of like everybody's agile, right? But then you actually go in and you're like, oh, this is a very unique application of this methodology. And so I think design thinking in some ways is a bit like that, where it's probably applied differently in different spaces, which I think probably is fine generally, as long as people are really focusing on the core of what's good for people and what's good for our customers and and also layering on society and kind of the wider context within that. But as far as like replacing other processes, I think it probably ends up just augmenting some of them or people like say they're they're doing it, but they're not.
0: So design thinking is on a journey and people are learning more and more about it over time. But what then are designers being taught in their education, if not explicitly design thinking? What is design education and what is its role? Let's get to that next.
1: What is design education? Here's Tassie Ellen Thompson, a designer and educator based in Norway.
8: You asked me to, prior to this and sort of in preparation, what are artists and designers taught in their education are taught through their education, and that's a really interesting question because that has shifted I think it's shifted massively, even in like the length of sort of the time of my career. In the late 1980s, especially in in Scotland where I was, there was a flourishing of open-ended, relational, collective-type projects. One most stunningly, and I go back to the Turner Prize because it actually this one course at Glasgow School of Art ran a course called Environmental Art for many years and it produced an incredible series of successful creatives Who've gone on to be, you know, filmmakers and performance artists and, you know, solvers of problems in all sorts of areas, and uh, set up my brilliant man called David Harding, and that was a, a break from this idea of almost being taught a craft, you know, the craft of sculpture, the craft of painting, which you then use to express yourself or your ideas as a solo artist. The idea of environmental art isn't environment as in terms of you know the trees or plants type picture of environment. It was about a context-based relational being and making and doing and understanding um, as, as the creative person that you were only part of the environment that you were in. So there's a lot of similarities to... What you might call sort of design thinking and how the students went out into the community. However, with the changes in education being focused on (laughs) results-based, on um, educational credit system, so you needed to have an endpoint, you needed a number of points that you could take with you from A to B, and, and it's killed really has killed the idea of open-ended thinking and open-ended problem. Now, here's the difference. Not problem solving, but problem finding or problem uncovering or concern investigating, you might call it. And now we have students who just want to be given a task that they can complete, get the points and move on to the next phase Now, on the other side, (laughs) World Economic Forum, uh, Future Jobs Report 2020, it's looking for, you know, the top skills are critical thinking, resilience, flexibility, creativity, (laughs) analytical approach, all the things which artists, if given freedom, naturally are able to, to do and nurture in themselves because you're not on an, you know you haven't got this fixed point I'm trying to solve x and I'm using this design thinking route to get to x so I think um yeah art students particularly uh, it's changed massively and it's coming back to a feeling that you you, you know a situation which is less experimental and less open ended design students i think are pushed more and more into solving particular problems although there is a really fantastic shift now this idea of design thinking um, into transition design especially around ecological questions uh, which everything now really should be an ecological question Um, and transition design is flourishing in terms of a way to think about that there isn't an end point there actually isn't a solution there's just some solutions and we probably have to use a number of them. And some of them will work, some of them will change. So the idea that everything is always in transition.
1: Tassie believes that education should be about problem finding and exploring, more than just problem solving. But the education system does not encourage students in this way. And Hal Wirtz agrees.
6: I think that we've kind of gotten to a place here where we're spending so much money in this industry around educating adults, That's what I do. I teach adults design thinking and I watch these aha moments over and over again that that are so reliable and consistent. Like I know what what moments are going to be surprising to people. I know what challenges people are going to have that I have to help them through. Like it's very clear and that happens in so many different settings. And so the question that I've been writing about and thinking about is how do we stop doing this where we're sort of unteaching adults And we start actually teaching uh, this at a more fundamental level, like even at kindergarten, where this is something that is so has the potential to be so fundamental to how we educate people to go out into the world, right? Like we are, what are we educating? Like we are educating people to go out and to make things in the world, to put a stamp on the world, to um, work with others towards towards the, the solving of complex problems. These are fundamental ideas that. I really think I shouldn't be teaching this to 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old people, <laughs> that these are so such core ideas that like, how do we start taking this thing that clearly we've validated it at our societal level? We've we validated its impact. How do we start taking this thing and start transforming it into something that influences a broader scale of people? So really in public education and the K through 12, 12
0: level. Whether you like the term design thinking or not, Its principles have been proven to make an impact. It's about giving people the space to think critically, to question, and to really understand the problems that people face. Today we've learned that design, when given the space, allows people to explore questions, to be resilient, flexible, creative, and analytical.
1: But those are not always necessarily the skills that are encouraged by our education system. To be able to embrace these new approaches, we need to re-educate adults as well as kids. We also need to encourage design thinking in our school systems. But there is hope. Next time, we're going to hear some of the stories from the next generation of designers coming through education today. And we will see how they are finding ways to uncover problems and make the world better.
0: This episode was written, recorded and produced by Sam Fry and Richard Adams. Thank you to Alex Stanek, Amanda Foreman, Diana Kangiza, Hal Verts, Jessica Tremblay, Joseph Pacal, Lisa Aoyama, Robert Hockman, Stiliana Minkowska, Tassie Ellen Thompson and Dr. Yankee Lee for being interviewed. All music from this podcast is available on a Creative Commons license downloaded at freemusicarchive.org. Artists include Alex Productions, Circus Marcus, Croander, and Jazar. Don't miss an episode of this series by subscribing to this podcast feed. Also, please give us a five-star rating to help us in the podcast charts. Find out more at technique.create-hub.co.uk. Next time on Technique Explores Design Thinking.
3: I think for me, very often it starts off with a certain image in my head. And then I have this very fun, but also very excruciating process of trying to get something very abstract and you know, rationalize it or materialize it.
1: We hear stories from design students about how they approach design in their practices.
0: Design thinking has exploded into the workplace of the 21st century, putting humans at the heart of design.
1: Or does it? Isn't it just the post-it note workshops? More importantly, though, where did it come from? How did it become such a massive industry? And where on earth is it going? Is design thinking what is taught in design schools? And can it be used as a philosophy for the future? Find out more as we, Richard Adams and Sam Fry, explore these ideas with experts in the field on our first Technique mini-series about design thinking. Subscribe
0: to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode.